Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, cheers for downloading. Welcome to We Are Going Up episode 146. I'm Mark Crossley. This is David Cameron Walker. Hello. Hello. Now, why do you think I'm playing this? Pink Panther. Where were you this weekend? <laughs> I, was in, um, I was in the wilderness. I was in the middle of nowhere. In uh, near Buxton in Derbyshire, without phone signal or internet for four days, <laughs> it was marvellous. And you were on a murder mystery weekend. Yeah, well, the, the Saturday night of the weekend was a murder mystery. Right, thing, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I'm playing this. So who did it? Or can you not possibly say? Well, uh, for large spells of the evening, I thought it was me. <laughs> Good, but it wasn't. Brilliant. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk more about that a little bit later. You also went to the National Football Museum, I oh, noticed, good in grief. Manchester. I did. I did, did you see the uh, the war exhibition? <laughs> Do you know what? Right. I didn't. What? I, I was so enthralled by by the place. I can't speak hardly enough of it. It's the top floor. Um, I didn't get past the first floor. And I was literally, I was I was just lost. And then this guy kept tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, sorry, sir, we're closing in five minutes. <laughs> I've been there for about three hours. Good. It was brilliant. Good. Uh, yeah, we do recommend you go and yeah. uh, pay a visit if you are in Manchester. Right, we've got some exciting stuff coming up on the show uh, in the next few months. We've had an ingen- ingenious idea since the last show. We're going to pick a weekend in the season where we're going to look at all the fixtures and then randomly pick a game aren't we anywhere in the country to go and do a live show from yeah. so we could be on the 7am from London to Carlisle in a few weeks time depending on who's playing at home we're not deciding should we do it we should draw, the, draw at the end of the show what weekend though do you know, we'll, do you know? Just, we'll sort that out okay. in the this recording and okay. we'll do it alright maybe we'll do it today then um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll do that later also uh, we have got a special coming up with Prostate Cancer UK in the next couple of weeks loads of bits and bobs and remember to help chip in keep the show going we really really would love you to help us out by going to audible.co.uk slash going up and signing up there for a free audiobook it's uh, you know we're helping you out here. you get a free audiobook for nothing you've got a 30 day trial you can cancel before the end of the trial uh, so you get the book and then you sort of don't have to pay a monthly fee or anything that's audible.co.uk slash going up you can also go to our website and if you click on the Paddy Power banner on the homepage, sign up, you get a free 20 quid bet once you bet a fiver. And also, uh, if you go to the bottom of the homepage, uh, wearegoingup.co.uk, you can sign up for a free month of the football pools. You win huge cash prizes, just get 8 out of 10 results correct this weekend. If every single one of you listening could do at least one of those three things, we will love you forever. There you go. End of message. Uh, later on, we'll talk about a busy fortnight in the Football League, which has seen Cardiff go back to blue. Alex Neal's coming at Norwich. Massimo Cellino's lost another appeal. And Messrs Pearce and Holloway uh, have come under increasing pressure. Uh, one man who has come under increasing pressure and not clung on uh, is Bob Peters. With Charlton having no win since early November, he's been replaced by Guy Luzon, uh, extendedly aged boss at the Valley. Uh, the Addicts' fourth manager in just 10 months, or the fourth head coach in just 10 months. Later, we'll be joined by Alex Stedman uh, from the radio show and the podcast Charlton Live to discuss uh, what's been going wrong in South 
East London. But first, we are going to begin in the Black Country at Molyneux, where Wolves beat Blackpool 2-0 in the Championship at the weekend to make it five wins from their last six games, uh, leaving them just one point outside the playoff places. However, the weekend's match was overshadowed by the news uh, that emerged last week that their former chairman, Sir Jack Hayward, had passed away in Florida, aged 91. Hayward was a local lad-turned-businessman who went on to own his boyhood football team for 17 years before selling the club to Steve Morgan for a tenner. That's right, a tenner. Uh, back in 2007, he pumped 70 million of his own cash into the club, rebuilding Molyneux and seeing them promoted to the Premier League back in 2003. Uh, joining us on the line right now, uh, later to discuss Wolf season, but first to talk about Sir Jack, his life and his legacy is David Evans, who's the host of the award-winning Wolves Fancast, uh, which was named Best Football Podcast at the Football Blogging Awards recently held at the aforementioned National Football Museum. Uh, you can download the Wolves Fancast from iTunes or Wolves Fancast. Com. Uh, Dave is on the line uh, right now. Dave, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, you were there at Molyneux on Saturday. Was it quite an emotional atmosphere for everyone? Oh, yeah, of course it was. It was quite uh, an odd day, really, because the game itself felt like a bit of a non-event. When the game started, you kind of got the gist of, oh, there's actually a game on. It, it, it seemed to really... Um, didn't matter, really, for the whole day. I mean, the pre-match build-up with what Wolves did was fantastic, um, with a lot of the tokes they did to signify that the life of Sir Jack and I think a lot of fans are really credited the club with what they did uh, on that day especially with the uh, the Sir Jack motive in the upper steeball stand and the balloons and some audio of some Sir Jack interviews playing beforehand and just some of the choice music they played um, one of the songs they played was uh, Rocking All Over the World by Status Quo which was a song that uh, many Wolves fans remember from the playoff final in 2003 it's probably one of the biggest memories I have on the day and it was just it was a great way to celebrate his life, um, and it was just great to kind of be with other fans to to, to remember someone who, especially in my generation, um, he was kind of the, he's become like the first kind of big player in Wolves that have passed away that I've got a, a connection with. Um, the people in the past who obviously had such an impact at Wolves, like Bert Williams, for example, who passed away last year, who although obviously quite saddened by his death, there wasn't that emotional connection because I never got to see him play or or anything like that. But with Sir Jack Haywood, I remember him being the chairman when I was a little boy and I met him actually when I was about eight years old. So it was for me and I think for people of my age in that generation, it's it's one of those first people who unfortunately passed away that we have that connection with. And it was just, I say, it was a sad day, but it was great to celebrate his life. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there might be people listening to this, obviously, you know, have read a bit about him in the last week, um, but they don't really understand the, the sort of connection that he had with the people of Wolverhampton and specifically uh, with Wolves. Try and sum up what that bond was like for us. Well, I mean, Sir Jack was a fan at the end of the day. He, he, he was a boyhood Wolves fan. And it's almost like if you became a millionaire and wanted to buy your team and invest in it, that's what Sir Jack was. He invested his money into Wolves and he didn't want anything in return and I think it kind of was signified with when he sold the club to Steve Morgan uh, for £10 part of the clause for Morgan buying that was that he had to promise to invest £30 into Wolves it showed that he didn't want any money for you know because he wasn't interested in the money he just wanted somebody to come in and put as much time and effort as he had done for his love of the club um, for whoever was taking over 
Um, as I say, he, he vets into the club. He, he went to all the games. I mean, even last season in League One, I'm sure it was against Swindon away on a very cold February night. He was in the away end for it, and he must have been in his you know then late eighties, early nineties. So he was just. Uh, I think what was the connection was that he, like all of us, was a fan. He wasn't a you know one of these stereotypical American or. Uh, uh, foreign owners who was potentially there just for the money and just to make some money and to say, oh, you know, I own a, a football team. He was there as a fan because he wanted to see his boyhood club, club do so well. And in, in many ways, as you just mentioned there, Sir Jack's passing is sort of symbolic of the changing face of British football, really. As you mentioned, he was a local boy, done good, who invested his money into his beloved football club. And there are a couple still of those characters still knocking about, Steve Gibson... I mean, Dave Whelan at Wigan, Eddie Davies at Bolton. Mm. But, you know, there aren't going to be many more coming through in the future, I don't think, in the manner that, that Sir Jack and, and his like did. Um, you know, the foreign owners are up and down all right the way through the leagues now, and it's, it's viewed as a business-making thing, a profit-driven thing. And he was not interested in any of that. All he wanted was Wolves to do well. Yeah, I mean, if you look at football now, it's a bit of a slightly sad state of affairs now that you have, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires coming in who may not have any connection with the team they're buying anything. What is their kind of in gain, gain or incentive from it? Whereas, you know, people like, as you mentioned, Sir Jack um, did it because of his boyhood love for the club, you know. And if you look at football now, if your team was being bought out by a multi billionaire or millionaire, you may instantly think, well, great, we're going to become the next Man City. But, you know, these owners, have every right to, to leave because what connection do they have? But if you have that kind of strong connection to a team or a love for that team, would you be would you be more likely to leave it just for no reason, or would you obviously stay around like people like Sir Jack did because you, you want to you know invest in that team and see it doing well? I love the fact that uh, people can have a connection with their football club from the age of five to the age of ninety one. Mm-hmm. As well, yeah. there's something quite romantic about that. I think. Although having said that, he, I've been reading a bit about him the last couple of days, and he, you know, he's let's put it this way, he's a, a bit of a character. Some of the stories um, are incredible. Obviously, uh, he spent a lot of his time over in the Bahamas. He was a massive patriot. He um, served in the Second World War. He funded uh, the England women's cricket team in the seventies. Um, he gave a million quid to the Gurkhas campaign. He upset quite a few people along the way, including some members of his own family. Um, they all seem to have been suing each other at some point. But he was just that kind of guy, wasn't he? That kind of character. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a, a lovable um, person, really. I, I think one of the most famous things that come out in recent years is this whole thing in um, the misquote in The Guardian about how the, the Guardian did a piece on him and the Guardian had printed that he had said that Wolves had the uh, worst team in the Premier League um, and what had transpired is what he'd actually said that Wolves had the worst team in the Premier League, um, and then obviously I think the, I think the Guardian obviously did, did a piece then to retraction to say that obviously that they made a mistake. But you know I don't think he really kicked off about it. I think he just made a, a more of a joke about it that they misquoted. Him. But you know he was that kind of down to earth, lovable character. And like he said, all the stuff he, he had done as well off the pitch, off the football field, just showed him how, how, how much of a nice person he was. We've long wanted to do a thing on tea ladies on this show, haven't we? we yeah. It's been a bit of an ambition. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to ask how, obviously he's passed away now, but he, he hasn't been the owner you know, for, for quite a while now. And mm. I don't know whether there's been events already and, and in, in ways to honour his legacy at the club already, but is there anything new planned to kind of have some sort of permanent uh, memorial for Sir Jack? I mean, nothing's come out at the moment. Obviously, a lot of fans have been asking for a statue to be put up. Obviously, we've got one of 
uh, Billy Wright and Stan Cullis and obviously there's been a call for um, some kind of a memorial statue to be Raymond Molyneux. There was a great suggestion by um, uh, another a, a, a forum site called the Wolves Forum the other day on Twitter that suggested there was a um, in a cricket round in Australia there's a stuff I don't know who it is but there's a statue of a maybe it could be a famous cricketer or someone involved in the game. The statue is is them actually sitting on a seat watching the game with some binoculars and someone suggested could you have um, the uh, famous picture of Sir Jack where he's got his thumbs up at the Millennium Stadium. Could you have somewhere creating a space in the stadium where it's almost like he's sitting watching the game with his thumbs up because as I say like we've said before as he was a fan it's almost like Jack's always with us watching mm. the game. Mm. Uh, they'd be something completely different to what you don't get in English stadiums or you know any kind of in football in general. Um, but there's been no kind of sighting of what the club are planning is at the moment at the game on Saturday on our big disused um, video screens, which have been working for about ten years. Um, well, they, actually, they, we should mention that we should mention yeah. Molyneux because that, I suppose, is another one of the, the biggest sort of legacies of his time at the club. You know, it was a, mm. a bit of a mess, wasn't it, when um, uh, when he took over in the early nineties? And I mean, obviously, you had the, the extension a couple of years ago. I think when you were getting relegated from the Premier League, it started to be built. Uh, it must mm. be one of the, the biggest grounds, I would think, in the Championship, isn't it? I'm not sure, um, but it's certainly uh, you know impressive ground now. And again, that's a another testament to the money that he put in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he built that stadium uh, out of nothing. And I think at the time when it was built, it was probably one of the, at the time, the most advanced, biggest stadiums in the country. And, and it has stood the test of time. And it's that we, you know, he put video screens in there, which again was probably ahead of its time. And, you know, re, okay, the stadium probably now needs updating, but it's been a good 20, 25 years since that thought was even crossed anyone's mind. I mean, even if the the stand or the development we're trying to get through at the moment wasn't done, I think people will still be happy with the state of the stadiums in. Now, just to look at this season, I mean, football sometimes has a uh, a funny way of of kind of writing its own story, really. And I suppose this season, if you were to be promoted, it would be a fitting um, season in which to do it, given given Sir Jack's passing. You're only two at one point outside the playoffs at the moment in eighth position. It's been a bit up and down, but recently you've, you've come back strongly. Yeah, I think we're four league wins in a row the last time I checked. Uh, we had a, a massive blip after a, a really strong start, a stronger start than anyone really predicted. Um, and then the, the, the away defeat to Derby really was a big reality check of the gap we still have between you know um, good teams like Derby and the switches and the Bournemouths in this league um, compared to a team which majority still is very League One experience and still learning. Uh, but I think the blip has kind of shown us what we need to do to kind of compete with some better teams in the league, and we're now trying. You know, we're starting to match our own now. I think if we somehow got promoted this season, it would be a kind of a great film idea of a, of a team double relegated and then rising from the ashes and being double promoted. I was at the game on Boxing Day when you played Watford uh, and we were atrocious that day, one of our worst performances all season, but in large part because you know a lot of our fans were focusing on how bad we were, but I sort of said after the game, well, you know, Wolves were actually pretty good as well. You were really resolute that day. I was very impressed by by your defence, Danny Bart in particular. I thought mm. I had a really good game. And you've got some strength about you. You've got some big players there who certainly are cut out for championship football. 
I think, the, the, especially for the Watford game, a lot of fans, when we went into the game, we knew how well Watford had been doing this season. We were very much like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I think we could be Derby all over again. And I think the changing to recent weeks has actually been the inclusion of uh, Dominic Iorfa and Courtney Hawes, who have been both our wing-backs. Mm. Relatively young, they've got no experience in the Championship at all. Uh, we had some injuries, so Kenny put them in, and they'd been an absolute resolution. They were great. They had our wide men completely nullified all game because we play that system yeah. as well. And our two wide, our two wing backs, one of them had to be subbed off, and they just did not have a chance. You had them, you had them in your pockets. I mean, the, the, what was clearly stood out for me for those two was uh, an example of how players are being taught in academies now about how the um, trying to keep the ball on the ground, how they are comfortable on the ball taking the time with the ball, skinning it past players. It's a great testament, just not just for Wolves, but um, other academies of the area. And I think as well, these two players look like they've been playing professionally for many years. I mean, Dominic Iorfa probably is already being touted as player of the season, only after five games, because I've never seen a player at Wolves make such a, an impact in my lifetime, it's incredible. Wow. Um, well, you'll be hoping that one man who can make an impact, in fact, he already has, he scored in his debut, uh, is Benekophobi. He's come in um, from Arsenal. He's been at MK Dons, hasn't he, this season? Scored twice against Manchester United in the Capital One Cup earlier on. Um, he's worked with Kenny Jackett before, I think, at Millwall. Um, uh, yes, he has, yeah. Yeah, what do you make of that signing? Um, fantastic. I've spoken to a couple of Arsenal fans who are quite gutted that they let him go. They, they saw him as a, a great prospect for their team going forward. Um, I say he's done very well at MK Dons this season and obviously a lot of people have watched the YouTube clips of him scoring against Man United uh, when he came on Saturday so fast I mean I, I was quite surprised about how fast he could run he was able to get around players quite easily um, he held his own and he really gave Blackpool a fright when he came on um, I think we've got hopefully given more time we've got a great proposition on our hands especially with someone like Nuadika who will be relying so much on this season. It's probably the reason Nuadika was probably the reason why we went through that blip because we've kind of centered all our play around him and I think once he wasn't in the team for a few weeks through injury, we just seemed to lose our pace and power. I think with someone like a phobie he's gonna give Jacket a good headache. Uh, selection is someone he can bring on late off the bench, um to the scare defence defences. And I just think that pace and power Joe is gonna give him some good competition as well. And just, just finally, I wanted to ask one about Kenny Jacket himself. I think that he's pretty much right up there in terms of one of the best managers outside the Premier League. If you look at the jobs that he's done in the past with Swansea, with Millwall, and then coming to you, and you were in a bit of a mess. It has to be has to be said, sparring down the leagues. He's had a few bad managerial appointments. Uh, got you up last season in fine style and really well this season. And I think it would be. You know, I, I'd love to see him take Wolves up into the Premier League because I, I really think very highly of him. Mm. I mean, we um, spoke to Michael Calvin at the start of the season, who's um, the writer of um, Family Life, Death of Football. Been on, been on this then. show. The, the very yeah. man has been on. Um, we were very lucky to do a podcast with him at the start of the season because he knows Kenny quite well. and We, we, we kind of spoke to him about uh, Kenny's management style and he was very much an advocate that um, he, he deserves a chance in the Premier League. I think he's someone who does seem to create some kind of family culture within the, within, within a football club. He seems to get players rallying around each other. He seems to create a, a big unit that players play for each other. And I think we're starting to see that now very much this season at Wolves. You can tell the players are all together when they win and when they lose, there's no real division. I think I think Kenny's highest position in the Championship is something like ninth. 
when um, he got Millwall first promoted. Um, and I think he has got a chance here with potentially a bigger budget to get somebody like Wolfson Premier League. And obviously, when you look at his record, it would be great to see him in the Premier League. We hope, obviously, <laughs> he gets us there. Um, and, you know, there's been times where we've kind of, when people have lost their jobs at Premier League clubs, we've kind of thought, well, it's surprising here that Kenny's name's not being touted. Whether because he hasn't been a manager anywhere near that level could be the question. But if Wolves, if Kenny can either get Wolves into the Premier League or keep Wolves up the top half of the Championship, I don't see why it wouldn't be too long that some lower league, as it were, Premier League clubs start looking at his name as a, a potential manager to come in as a replacement when they get rid of them in January well maybe next year will be his year in the limelight if he manages uh, to get you up uh, David thank you very much for uh, for joining us good to talk to you okay, thank you very much for having me uh, best of luck for the rest of the season that is David Evans host of the Wolves Fancast uh, which you can download right now from iTunes or if you go to their website wolvesfancast.com uh, next we're going to change our focus to the team that Wolves are going to be playing uh, this weekend we're off to the Valley because it's all changed at Charlton this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered So Watford 5, Charlton Athletic nil at Vicarage Road at the weekend. <laughs> I had a feeling you would pipe up when I mentioned that. That was certainly a scoreline uh, that caught the eye uh, in the Championship. A result that means Charlton haven't won a game in their last 10 out in all competitions. They haven't scored a league goal since Boxing Day either. Uh, they are 16th in the table at the minute and about 10 days ago, just after we did the last show pretty much, they decided that change was necessary. Uh, they sacked Bob Peters and in the process became the 13th Championship club to change manager this season alone, or head coach, I think, as he was uh, actually called. Uh, Peters' replacement has been confirmed as Guy Luzon, uh, the former boss of Standard Liège, although he wasn't technically in charge uh, for that game at Watford at the weekend. Thank God, that's not one you, you want to start with. Uh, Luzon uh, is Charlton's fourth manager in less than a year. So what do the fans make of all this change? Let's get a view from a man and a writer who contributes to the Charlton Live radio show and podcast which you can listen to on CAFC Player on Sundays or you can find it on iTunes uh, it is Alex Steadman. Alex thank you very much for joining us uh, on the show Charlton have got their fourth manager in a year, that can't be a stat that sits particularly comfortably with you No it's um, it's certainly not one to, to boast about, um, it has been a very difficult year at Charlton and I think the events over the past week and over the past few months really have, have left fans alienated and and really, really despondent after what was a really strong start. And not only the fans, uh, I've heard from from a reasonably well placed source who who knows some of the players that the players are are a bit demoralised to say the least with with the fact that you've had four managers. It's you know I know the results weren't going that well under Bob Peters towards the end, but weren't doing too bad if you look at the overall picture of the league position and given the good start. And it just feels like maybe. They're just every time they get a bit of consistency, they have to start again. And you know, I don't really think that probably a lot of them are still unhappy. Maybe about about the uh, original sacking of Chris Powell, and you've never really recovered from that in in many ways. So, uh, it's it's not a good situation. No, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of change, a um, bit of a revolving door uh, for the managers, and there was a lot of fresh faces in in the summer. They did seem to hit the ground running. Um, you mentioned that that we started well, and we we seem to have found a settled side, and we had a, a good way of playing. Um, very distinctive, passing it out from the back. Um, we brought Igor Vettikele in from Copenhagen um, during the summer. He was fantastic, won the Skybet Championship Player of the Month for August, and it really did look like you know we could we could defy the odds and maybe even push for the playoffs. But it's dropped off. We've had injuries and suspensions, and 
And I think the squad depth is what's let us down, to be honest with you. I think we have been a little bit exposed when we have had injuries and people got, you know, square pegs in round holes, if you will. And it's just all caught up with us. And unfortunately, Peters was sacked last week. And I don't want to bravado about, you know, I saw it coming, but I, I did think the signs were there. Um, I saw all our matches over Christmas. And I'll be honest with you, I never, never envisaged that we were going to win any of them at any point. I mean, we played well in spells, but the confidence was on the floor. You could, you could see it, especially Saturday hasn't helped the 5 no defeat you mentioned at Watford. That was a really sobering afternoon. It was it was really poor at Vicarage Road on Saturday. Well, you you wrote a piece after that game when you said that Charlton are completely devoid of leadership, belief and confidence. They're a side that lacks their captain, a manager and a sense of direction. Presumably that sense of direction has got to come uh, from the top and at the minute it's a bit confused. It is. I mean, Roland Duchatelet, who also owned a number of clubs, um, Stanley A's been the highest pedigree but he has this sort of business model where, where he likes to develop young players he, he likes to work with the youth systems of which Charlton is obviously has a fantastic academy and has a good history for producing good young players and I think fans and myself in particular also feel that I mentioned the lack of squad depth I think sometimes there's a reluctance to move away from that business model and maybe look for players outside the network I mean we've just brought in Tony Watt who was um not really getting a game at Stanley age. He used to play for Celtic. And I think fans are going frustrated that Roland Duchatelet, because he's got money, um, and we know the investment's there. We've got a new, fantastic new pitch, and he's done wonders for training ground plans. But I think the fans would want to see a little bit more investment in the squad, because the lack of numbers and bodies is what's cost us over the winter months. Alex, it's, a, it's an interesting time that you come on now, after that defeat against Watford, because there are comparisons between the two clubs. We've got owners, as I'm sure you're aware, that in a similar way to Roland um, Duchatelet, they... they, uh, they <laughs> yeah, you can't get away with that. Yeah, I could see you with Duchatelet. Oh, I could yeah. see you were struggling with it. You're looking at it thinking... I, wanted this, I was looking at it from the screen. I couldn't pick it out anyway. Sorry. Uh, but were, the Pozzo family, you know, they own Udinese, Granada. They move players around the three clubs. It's a similar sort of thing. But what they've done is, at Watford, they've been, from day one, and they still get criticised by some people, but from day one they've been at pains to express to all of the, the fans of the club that they want to retain that sense of community club, of a family club at Watford. They still do you know, a lot of things in the community. They make sure that the players that they've brought in from the other countries you know, really integrate with the, the home-based players, get out there in, in the town and you know, do all the community visits and training with the kids and all that. And, and that spirit at Watford is still there despite the fact that we've always had four managers this season, that's a bit of a blot on their copybook, but that notwithstanding, they've made a really good impression. And I'm, I don't know if it's been the same thing at Charlton. Has, has there been any effort from Roland to, to really keep that spirit of Charlton alive? It's a difficult one, really. Um, I mean, I mentioned the training ground plan, and he, he is um, investing in the infrastructure. There's no doubt about that. And we were, we were in danger of going into administration last season when Powell left, we were bottom of the league. So, there's no doubt that you know his investment not, has not hasn't necessarily saved us, but we're in a far better financial position than than we were this time last year, and indeed a better league position as well. Although we've been on a poor run, I for one am just becoming a little bit little bit disheartened because when you know the club comes to announce a new signing, I think you, you do have a pretty good idea of who it's going to be. I mean, you you don't look at who's out of out of a game at the age as such, and not that drastic, but you begin to get an idea of where these players are going to be coming from. And I just think we need championship experience. I think that's what we need. I think we need, like you mentioned, the Watford players that have come in and really taken to the Watford football club as a whole. I think maybe Charlton could do with a couple more signings like that, that not only know the championship, but 
maybe are going to be around for a little bit longer as well because I get the feeling that players like Yoni Boyens, who is brought in from Stanley A's on a season-long loan, I don't imagine his loan is going to be renewed at the end of the season. Um, Tal Ben Haim, I believe, is a loan signing as well. I, I don't envisage him him being there next year. Although he, I think he has been a very good signing. I just think Charlton need a couple of Charlton players. I mean, Johnny Jackson, this spoke volumes on Saturday, and he was out injured for the 5-0 defeat, came over to the away end at full time um, and stood there and clapped the fans. But even he cut such a forlorn figure, it was so, so noticeable. And he's the one man that Charlton fans look to to epitomise the club. He's the club captain, he's the leader, has a fantastic relationship with the fans. And, and he really looked disheartened and down after that 5-0 defeat. So that was worrying. And I think you are right. I think Charlton need players that are really going to come in and, and play for the shirt and, and give their all. And at the moment, I don't feel that the players are bringing in, to be honest, perfectly honest with you, are going to do that. And what do you think about the appointment of the new manager? Do you think that's going to improve anything? Not at all, to be honest with you. I wrote a piece on it for London 24 as well. I just think that the fan base was alienated anyway, uh, given recent events. And I think this is this has done no favours. I mean, I'm sure you've you've been reading that Alan Kirby was linked with the job and, and Paul Jewell as it was linked with the job. Both managers with English experience and, and someone that the fans could relate to. And this guy loses on an unknown. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're away. He, doesn't have, he didn't have a work permit, so he didn't have a manager on Saturday. Um, I mean, well, that's, and, that's, a, that's a bad start, isn't it? To appoint a manager who hasn't yeah, even yeah. got a work permit, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't, isn't it? Fallen at the first hurdle, really, haven't they? I mean, he took training on, I think he arrived on the the Monday, I believe, or the Tuesday, uh, took training on the Thursday, and then the statement came out on the Friday evening before the Watford game that he wasn't going to be in charge. I mean, his press conference um, live on Wednesday afternoon, I, I tuned in for our Charlton Mars radio show that was broadcasting it, and I was tweeting in and what have you, and he didn't inspire me with a lot of confidence and, and a lot of passion. And to be perfectly honest with you, this is just my own opinion, but it didn't really look like he wanted to be there. I mean, it was pretty mundane answers, not a lot of um, em- emphasis on, on being enthusiastic at all and sort of run-of-the-mill stuff. And for a first press conference, I personally found that really disheartening. I'm interested to know your, your impressions um, of, of Bob Peters, actually, because... I know you just said it, it. It did go wrong towards the end of his spell, and the players weren't putting in the performances. But I, I saw, I've seen a few comments throughout the season from from Charlton fans and and sort of from journalists who cover cover the games that he's been involved in. That he was an interesting character, and he had something something about him. And that you know that he, that, that I saw some people sort of did take to him personally. Yeah, I, I've spoken to him on many occasions for for the stuff that we do with the club, and he's a fantastic guy. He's very very passionate. Really threw himself into the job. You know brought these players in, adhered himself to the fans. He used to play for Millwall, and to be honest with you, that's what the majority of Charlton fans associated with him. We didn't know a lot about him. But like you say, he came in, he made a good impression, he was passionate, his goal celebrations, you know, really fist-pumping, running down the touchline and all sorts and going for it. But there are rumours that that aggressive nature did spill over once it turned sour. Um, and I think there were some dressing room fallouts. And I think I think Peters had lost the dressing room. I mean, I know weren't when he left, we were in 13th position in the table. So I don't actually think it, although the form didn't help, um, I think it was more the mood around the changing room. I mentioned that um, on Saturday, the confidence was on the floor. And I think that's just been coming for weeks. I think I, I saw the games over Christmas, like I say, and the players were shouting and arguing with each other from minute one. Um, Blackburn away, in particular, sticks in my mind. We were 2 down after about 20 minutes. And um, after the first goal, we have a young goalkeeper, Nick Pope, and then BK and Ben Heim were in front of him in the centre of defence. And they all just sort of looked at each other like they'd never seen each other before after Jordan Rhodes had put, put the home side ahead. And that told you all you needed to know. You could tell 
just from that image alone, let's say a picture speaks a thousand words, and that really did. I think the defence in particular, his confidence is shot to pieces at the moment and conceding five. Oh, I mean, Watford could have easily, I'm not exaggerating, could have had eight or nine on Saturday. It really was that bad. And I just really, really hope that Guy Luzon can come in and steady the ship, if you will, because we are dropping like a stone at the moment. I know that um, a couple of years ago, Blackpool had a similar uh, good start to the season, much against the odds. Um, and they fell down the league table quickly. Because games come so quick and fast in this division that once <laughs> once you get into a losing run like we're in, it's so, so difficult to get out. And when the confidence is so low as well, it's really difficult to pick the side up and go again. Well, I'm just looking at the fixtures you got. Obviously, Wolves away on Saturday. You've just won, I think, five of the last six. You've also got games against Middlesbrough, Norwich, Brentford and Derby all inside the next month so it's not Don't getting get any, any easier, easier. <laughs> no. um, I was going to sort of wrap it up there but you did mention Nick Pope there I'm actually a Berry fan um, and we've just taken him on loan from you but I'm hearing lots of good things about him he was on loan at York obviously when they got in the playoffs last season is he one for the future that, you, that you're a little bit optimistic about? Yeah most definitely he's very tall <laughs> he's a young keeper he's very tall he's made some fantastic saves he's been in the side and um, that Blackburn game uh, actually that I mentioned before he made two fantastic stops but goalkeeper, I think he's about 20, I think, or 21, you have to forgive me, but he's got a long career ahead of him. And I think going back out on loan, lower down the football league, like he was at York, like I mentioned last year, can only do him the world of good because it certainly looked that way when he came back into the fold at the Valley. I just still think that maybe the championship is a level too high for him at the moment. But I don't think that there's any doubt that within the next three or four years that Nick Pope can become a championship goalkeeper. And I think yourselves, Barry, have got... Um, a good young keeper on their hands. Trust me, knowing some of our defenders, there will definitely be another calamity or two before the end of this season. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll have a chance for them. Thanks very much for coming on, Alex. Uh, good no to talk problem. to you. Uh, that is uh, Alex Demon from Charlton Live. Remember, you can download Charlton Live as a podcast or you can listen to it Sunday nights uh, between 7 and 9pm on CAFC Player. Uh, the show is totally independent of the club, by the way. And the website to listen to that is charltonlive.co.uk. Right, more in a second. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, so it's time to take a look at what's been going on across the Football League in the last two weeks. So you were in Derbyshire uh, the weekend Mm -hmm. um, and long, long, long long-term listeners of the show will know that you you were with uh, Topo. Stephen Topless. There's, yes, a, there's a blast from the past, everyone. That's for the old listeners. Um, how is he feeling after Nottingham Forest scored in the last minute to beat Derby 2-1? Uh, bruised, I think, because <laughs> the, the the rest of us who were watching the game with us, with about 15 of us, all jumped on top of him. Massive pile. Was, was he reminiscent of Stuart Pearce on the touchline? Yeah, and some. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant, though, you know, because... They didn't start too well. Derby got that that goal, the own goal from Lansbury, and you just you know you're thinking, oh god, here we go again for Forest. But you know a real, um, not a spectacular performance, but they dug in. You know they did what they needed to do to stay in the game. They held on. A Sombolonga gets his poacher's goal and a fantastic finish from Ben Osborne. You don't shoot, you don't score. What a strike! Mm. Um, Lee Grant could have done maybe a little bit better on his near post it's there. Very hit so fast though. The pace of the ball in real time, if you look at it, it was a mm. superb strike. And that is a real win for the fans because obviously they got humped there five 0 last season. Mm. Uh, been in a bit of a, a shocking run, but um, a huge win for Stuart Pearce. Obviously, Danny Mills came out and kind of got involved, tried to jump on the Pearce out bandwagon. Uh, listen to Forest's next five games. They've got to try and build on that. They got Fulham away, which has probably been played by the time you hear this. I think that's on Wednesday night this week. Then they got Millwall at home, Brighton away, Wigan 
Wigan at home, Blackpool away. So they're playing four of the bottom six in the next five games. Um, so that's a chance to get some points on the board and mm. get back in contention uh, for that playoff spot. Disappointing defeat for Derby that though, wasn't it? I think they were only side in the top eight to lose over uh, the weekend. Uh, they've lost Jordan Ibe too because he's been, re- been recalled by Liverpool. Yeah, which is a disappointment for them, but they do have a big squad, one of the one of the, the better squads in in the uh, in the Championship, and that will be a bitterly disappointing defeat for them because, quite simply, they are you know on form and and I, I'd, I'd say pretty there's not much between the two sides necessarily on paper squad wise, but you know they will have gone into that match expecting to win, and they and they haven't, and it's a blow because the the, the teams at the top of the Championship are, are all putting points on the board every week at the moment. Can I just say on a purely personal level uh, obviously you know everyone's got their own opinion on Stuart Pearce as a manager but I think it's great that the majority of Forest fans are still with him yeah. and stood by him it's yeah. just nice to see that in football I know he's a club legend so he gets slightly more leeway but I always like it when uh, fans stand by a manager and he comes good not saying he will but obviously that was a good win at the weekend uh, right top of the table talk to me because uh, Bournemouth won 2-0 uh, at Rotherham over the weekend to stay top of the pile Tommy Elphick and Callum Wilson uh, but they are playing Leeds United away uh, as we record in fact I think it's just finished hasn't just it? finished and they've lost 1-0 to wow. Leeds which that is a, is a huge shocker. win for Leeds. Second defeat in three for Bournemouth as well. Mm. Obviously, they lost at home to Norwich uh, just over a week ago. Um, they will stay top for the time being. Uh, the other game tonight was, remind me... It was Middlesbrough v Cardiff at the Riverside and Middlesbrough have won 2-1. Well, have they gone top then? I can't... Uh, I haven't got the table in front of no, me. No, they won't have gone top. Oh, no, they've gone one point off, so they've gone into second. Second, yes. I think. Uh, Ipswich were in second. They won 3-1 at Millwall at the weekend. Noel Hunt getting a brace. Jonathan Parr with the other. And that was a Millwall side who were battered 4-0 by League One Bradford in the FA Cup in midweek. Ian Holloway reacted by making eight changes uh, for Saturday. He brought in Diego Fabrini on loan uh, from Watford. Uh, one winning 14 for Millwall. They are three points from from safety, Holloway is under massive pressure. He is. Every Millwall looks fan, a beaten man. Whenever every I've seen Millwall fan I've spoken to and heard from, seen on Twitter, has seems seemingly lost patience with him. And the the main criticism that keeps coming back time and time again is just that he keeps chopping and changing the team constantly, formation wise, selection wise. They've had, they've barely had, had a you know, very rarely have they ever had a settled defence. You know, weird substitutions, playing players out of position, and. It just seems that he doesn't know what he wants to do this season. And he made all those, you know, after that 4-0 against Bradford, they made sweeping changes at the weekend. And I do think, that from what I hear, the performance was better. Uh, but he made a 19-year-old captain in the defence, which, you know, is a bold move. And it's a difficult situation as a 19-year-old to be coming in and captaining a team in a relegation battle in the Championship. So... Um, it's quite a big job. Good, yeah. Quite a big job for him as well because his stock will fall considerably oh, after absolutely. Palace and Millwall yeah. if, if you know if he doesn't turn it around. Um, some more transfer news. Uh, sticking with Ipswich, obviously won that game three uh, one. They brought in Paddy Kenny on loan <laughs> as a backup keeper to the end of the season, and also Freddie Sears from Colchester for an undisclosed fee. Um, I'm pleased for him because his career had stalled a little bit and he dropped down the divisions, but done well in League One this season, so he's got his move uh, to Ipswich. Playoff spots at the minute in the Championship. Well, obviously Middlesbrough were in them. They've just won to night to, to go into second. Also Brentford and Watford are in the playoff places. Uh, wins and for those sides at the weekend. Middlesbrough beat Huddersfield. Great goal from Lee Tomlin in that game. Obviously just beat Cardiff tonight. Uh, Brentford won 1-0 at Brighton. Nine wins in 12 for them. They roll on and uh, first win of the year in fine style for Watford. 5-0 against Charlton as yeah. we've, we've already mentioned. And uh, an honourable mention for Odeon Igalo who is in good form for us at the moment. A lot of the focus is always on Troy Deeney and Matej Vidra, but Vidra has not scored for quite a while. I think it's 11 games now he's not scored for us, and he's been a little bit off the boil. Jukanovic has been talking about he needs to play well for the team as well as trying to maybe 
you know, play well for himself. And Igalo's come in the team of the last few games. He scored three in his last two games. Uh, could have had a few more on Saturday against Charlton. Uh, he's a really hard-working player. Got a bit about him, a bit of skill as well. And I've been very impressed with him over the last few few months. Uh, two wins in two for Alex Neil, the new Norwich manager. And we did our show, uh, the big interview on the show last time. Didn't have his name in the frame, <laughs> did we? We didn't. Um, and Phelan's gone. Yeah, yeah, he's gone today, hasn't he? Thirty-three-year-old boss of Hamilton Academicals. He wasn't top of our list, was he? No. When we were looking down, I, I did. Oh, looking, although what I did say was, uh, I did make the point that they should try and go, you know, go maybe lower down the, the leagues or or pick someone in the mould of when they got Lambert before a sort of up-and-coming manager, and that's what they've done. Um, I didn't expect it to be, you know, <laughs> them to go up to Scotland and do it, but you know, fair play to them. It's, um, a bold, it's a bold appointment. Yeah, three-two win against Cardiff to follow up that win at Bournemouth, um, and that was a Cardiff side who were playing in blue and that's something that's yeah. changed since we last did the show so well done to the Cardiff City supporters trust everyone who helped keep the pressure on there it just feels right doesn't it yeah. just just when you watch them that's Cardiff City that's the Cardiff City that I know quite surprised that he changed his mind though yeah well, so I mean as, uh, as am I I didn't you know because he made such a song and dance about the reasons for doing it you know it's got to be to improve the change commercial the standing of the club and all that and eventually he's relented and I suppose you've got to say you know Fair enough to him for doing that. It, you know, it it takes a takes us you know a, a brave man sometimes to admit that he was wrong. And for whatever reason, this has happened. The pressure from the supporters have finally won out, and you know by hook or by crook, they've done it, and it's a good thing for the club. Some painters in Cardiff are getting a hell of a lot of work at the minute because he changed that top tier to all red, didn't he? Yeah. The side change that back, lads. Uh, four goals in the last six. Uh, four goals in his last six games for Darren Prattley and Bolton. They scored. He scored again. They won two one at Hillsborough. Uh, when I was in Japan uh, last year, I was on holiday with uh, two mates, both Bolton fans. Do you know the song that Bolton fans sing about Darren Prattley? No. Do you know uh, Paparazzi by Lady Gaga? Oh, yeah. You know this tune. Okay. Here we go. I'm your biggest fan. I'll follow you until you love me. Darren. Darren Prattley. That's it. There you go. Is so, he deserving of a song? Um, well, he is at the minute. Four goals in his last <laughs> six games. Um, and maybe he was scoring again at Anfield in the FA Cup at the weekend. And Bolton only 10 points off the playoffs. Excellent. They're going to bloody do it. Uh, Blackpool, Wigan, who were five adrift, by the way. Um, and Millwall in the bottom three. Uh, Rotherham and Leeds just above. Uh, Leeds, obviously, great win tonight. In fact, they'll be obviously a bit further clear now. Our script is, they'll, they'll move up one position. Our script is already out of date and we're actually recording they'll the They'll move up one position to 19th. Um, uh, Chilino has failed another Football League appeal though. Meaning but he he's, can come back in April, can't he? <laughs> yeah. so. He's now prohibited from having anything to do with the running of the club until the 10th of April. So quite what happens now, I do not know. Your guess is as good as mine. If you want to hear, Why is he only banned until then? Because that's when the, the conviction's spent. We did all this, didn't we? Uh, stupid. <laughs> if you go back, um, was it uh, Daniel, wasn't it, that we had on yeah. um, a few weeks ago? So if you, a few yeah, shows back. So if you go and check that out on the website, we are going up.co.uk. You will find it there. Interleague one then. Um, well, it's pretty much business as usual at the top. Swindon Town, the juggernaut rolls on. 3-1 win at Chesterfield against Chesterfield, sorry, at home at the weekend. That's eight wins in 10. Andy Williams scored again too. He's got 18 for the season, joint top scorer in the league. And he's been quoted as saying, we're just a group of friends, really, which is the best part about it. We all get on so well. I hope that drives us forward in the coming months. It's a great feeling at the moment. What we need it's to one know, of the best teams I've ever played well, in. What we need to know, uh, we're talking about players and chants. Surely, surely Swindon fans have got to be singing the appropriate song for Andy Williams. Well, what do you mean music to watch girls by or a variation of or you're, any you're, of his tunes? You're just too good to be true. Can't oh, of course. Can't take my eyes off you. Yeah. yeah. Well, are we getting that up as well? I love you, Andy. <laughs> Andy. Yeah, okay. 
And that's a good shout. It's a good shout. Get in touch at Wagyu Podcast. Um, but they're doing well, aren't they? It's extremely well. Those two managers, Mark Cooper and Steve Cottrell, they might get overlooked at the end of the season for you know uh, footballing manager of the year or whatever. But they've both done a very, very good I always, job. I always like it when a team wins three-one or whatever. We wins by a couple of goals, and the manager afterwards isn't happy. Yes, it's a good sign, I think. Um, uh, four wins in all comps for Bristol City since we lasted a show. They won two 0 at Scunthorpe at the weekend. Who lost both of their recognised keepers before half time with broken arms. Um, Sam Slocum and Jamie Seven so keeper um, outfield player in goal Claxon uh, for the majority of that game and uh, Bristol City also won 2-0 against Doncaster in the FA Cup in the replay last week so they play West Ham at home live on BBC One on Sunday this week what an opportunity to put on a show and show the uh, the general population what they've been sort of dishing up in uh, in League One and obviously they could be off to Wembley for the JPT as well yeah it's all happening and it rolls on and on and J Emmanuel Thomas looking in fine form against Scunthorpe at the weekend and you know he's a player that they want to rise you know they want him to rise to the big occasion against West Ham when he when he's fit and when he's firing when he's in the mood I think he's a player that could cause him trouble did you see the bit on the news uh, or on the sort of football league show or Sky Sports News of the week about the Bristol City fan who lives behind one of the ends and they're redeveloping the stand oh, yeah. so he's basically just standing on is it a crane or a balcony something set up in, next to his house built an extension just so he can stand he's there he's built an extension just to do it <laughs> I'm not sure if he has actually I think I made that up um, uh, Sheffield United speaking of uh, cup ties they play at Spurs on Wednesday night again that might have happened by the time you hear this in the first leg uh, but they lost 1-0 at MK Dons in the league yeah. it's the same old story uh, 18 points off the top two and they're out of the playoffs now surely they couldn't fail to make the playoffs that would be a catastrophe especially considering their uh, Yorkshire neighbours Bradford are above them at the minute in the league one uh, Bradford another team with a cup on their mind though as well at the well moment, yes so. what a tie they've got the weekend Stamford Bridge Away at Chelsea. You still got your flag? I've still got my flag, yeah. <laughs> Take I'll it, get it out there. Yeah. Um, Peterborough lost again at the weekend in League One. 2 1 away at Port Vale. That's just five points from the last 36. They are down in 15th. Uh, remarkably, they're only five points, though, off the playoffs. So, still a chance of getting in. Now, um, obviously, we've got to talk about Darren McAntony at this point and his, yeah. um, his rant last week. If you didn't see this on Twitter, he absolutely let rip. Um, I've got it all written down here. It's going to take me about 10 minutes to read it all out. Basically, he was just laying into the, the squad, the players, the kind of thing fans do and kind of write it on Twitter, but not many of the where, chairman. Where do you the stand club. on that then? Do you think it's a good thing or should uh, he kept it in-house? I'm not sure. Um, as, a fan of a, as a fan of Peterborough, I mean, I'm just trying to think what I'd think if, one of, if our chairman did that. Like, I, on the one hand, I think I'd... I'd I like I'd like, I'd, I'd like the honesty, yeah. but I, I just don't think it's going to be good for morale. Will it be good in the long term? And, and I suppose that entirely depends on the characters within that football club. Are they going to be the types that respond to it and think, right, he's, he's given us a real rollick in there in public. We've been shown up here and we need to prove him wrong. It's also or one are they going to be the sort of goes, right, well, if you're going to say that, mate, you want to see me play bad or you'll wait, <laughs> you, you just wait? And but, I'm, well, I'm it's done. also one thing, uh, having a go at the whole, you know, team or squad in one go but picking on individuals like he did in some of the tweets like yeah. peed off that player with Joe Neal's ability can miss an open goal from five years five yards out uh, he should be scoring 10-15 I'm sorry am I boring you over there <laughs> should be scoring 10-15 goals a season I mean that's where it gets a little bit you think is there any need to be quite that you're kind of nitpicking well, in individual little incidents yeah of course these players should be doing better they should score chances when they've got when they're presented to them but it's not as simple as that, is it? All the time, you know, there are, there are broader things as well. And I mean, it's interesting because before the, he did that rant on the Saturday night, I was looking at that result and I was seeing some unrest from Peterborough fans saying, some of them saying, "We want Darren Ferguson out." And you'd thinking, right, okay, maybe this could happen. And then McCantony is very much aimed his aimed his cannon at the players and not really at the manager. 
which is interesting, you know, because usually it's the manager who's the one that takes the fall. But and the people say, you know, the the, the typical complaint from particularly from ex players and and stuff is and pundits is well, why why don't the players get more blame? Well, they are now, so it's, that's an interesting situation. Watch this space. Uh, Gillingham beat Coventry 3-1. They've got a little bit of breathing space just above the drop zone. Orion uh, drew 2-2 at Preston live on the telly on Friday. They're just outside the uh, relegation zone on goal difference. Really good interview in the Evening Standard in London today. Um, Mihir Bose has done a piece with Barry Hearn. Um, you, I recommend reading that on the London Evening Standard website. Basically sort of saying to um, Francesco Bicetti. I'll slag you off a pronunciation earlier. I've done exactly the same thing there um, about the fact that um, he sort of said when Bocchetti took over that, you know, I'm always on the end of the phone. You can call me about anything and he's not had a call at all all season. And obviously they've gone from going through various managers and they've gone from the playoffs right down to just above the relegation zone. Um, goal of the weekend in League One, Billy Daniels for Notts County against Crew. I reckon that was a screamer and uh, they remain a crew in the relegation zone alongside Colchester. Uh, Yeovil who picked up their first win in ages at home against Bradford and Crawley who were on a shocking run at the minute. They lost again at the weekend. I did have that written down somewhere. Uh, hang on, where is it? Yeah, they lost a 4-1 against Rochdale and Rochdale play Stoke at Spotland in the FA Cup on Monday next week in front of the TV cameras. They are on a great run. I think they've won every game so far in 2015. Mm. So um, Even that man, Calvin Andrew, who I slagged off so <laughs> yeah. badly pre-season scoring. And he's doubled his career tally, isn't he? To be fair, like that. the keeper did hit, hit it straight at him and it <laughs> rolled in. He didn't actually sort of physically put it in the net. It just bounced off him. Uh, League two. Um, what do you make of the conditions, actually, at Rochdale and Bury? They were both kind of pretty Absolutely. similar, weren't they? Nothing like a good game of football in the snow, mate, isn't that, it? That first goal that we scored against Wickham at the weekend, the guy, Paul Wickham defender, if you haven't seen this, is sort of three yards out on his own, basically front of his old goal line and just can't sort his feet out and uh, one of our players Danny May just flies in just deflects it in the net basically um, they got the best away record in the league though uh, Wickham they managed to get a point that's nine games unbeaten um, one clear of Burton who drew 1-1 as well away at Portsmouth uh, Shrewsbury smashed a three past Hartlepool they stay third uh, the biggest upset Collins goal was nice for Shrewsbury I like that the little 1-2 with a header yes um, perhaps the biggest upset though just looking at the results up there was Newport getting tonked 4-0 at Cambridge because mm. uh, they've been in really good form uh, Cambridge now with a bit of a uh, bit of momentum going into Friday live on BBC One again it is Cup weekend Cambridge United against Manchester United that's going to be uh, an interesting one I love the fact that Yeovil yeah. and Cambridge have got home games as well yeah. against against United this season it's going to be it's going to be tough but you never know Mark uh, playoffs look like this Luton won 1-0 at Plymouth uh, Newport themselves Southend who won at Oxford and Stevenage where the bloody hell have Stevenage snuck up from mm. uh, they're in the playoff spots so we're down in yeah, I'm still scrolling. Tenth uh, at the minute, which isn't good. Uh, bottom two are Hartlepool, of course, and not looking good for them, is it? The Daggers, who lost one 0 at Northampton. Hartlepool are just the nine points away from safety, and we'll yeah, have look at that goal difference. <laughs> minus twenty eight as well. Twenty four goals to make up on the goal difference. Um, right, so that's what's been going on. A very quick, sort of brief, sort of detour of things that have been happening in the football league over the last two weeks. Now, on we picked today, we mentioned this right at the top of the show, for the uh, live, another live We Are Going Up game. This is our first live one since Bonfire Night, which is at Fulham. We're going to do this on the 28th of February. We've mm-hmm. decided on that, haven't we? So, Saturday the 28th of February. Um, so, this is the bit where I sort of don my Mark Chapman suit and say, welcome to the draw uh, for the uh, We Are Going Up live episode on Saturday the 28th of February 2015. So basically, we've looked at all the teams who are playing at home in the Football League that day. 
excluding the teams that we've already sort of done live shows from. So, for example, Charlton and Luton are excluded. Um, but the rest of them, 30-odd of them, we could be coming to any one of those places uh, to do the show. So the furthest we could be travelling to, DC, I think is Carlisle. Fancy a nice journey up there. See, I've been to Brunton Park already, so I'm not too keen on that. This is an opportunity to add a new ground to your uh, to the amount that you've done. I think I've done 45 out of the 92. No, hang on a no, no, Carlisle are not at home. Oh, they're day. not? Oh, it's no. Hartlepool. Sorry, Hartlepool. Yeah, Carlisle so, are at South End that day. Okay, then. so sorry, Hartlepool are at, are at home. So that's, Saved. That's the longest journey. We could just turn up at Carlisle, like that woman did over Christmas at the Olden Game. Hartlepool would be quite a good one, really, I suppose, going literally to the very bottom of the football league. Yes, it could be. Plumbing so the depth. that is uh, one option. We can get um, a chat with Hangus the Monkey. We could. Um, Bury are at Plymouth, so I wouldn't mind that that day. And you are at Leeds. Watford play Leeds that day. I've never been to Road, that'd be nice, I've never been it? to Ellen Road either. Uh, so what you've done um, is uh, you've cut up little pieces of paper. Yeah. It took me far too long. It, it did. After way. we'd spoken uh, a little bit earlier to uh, to Alex, put you, in my paper bag. You did all that. So um, you've got the paper bag. We're ready for the draw now. How do we want to do this? Are we just going to draw one team out, or do you want to do a couple? This is what you could have won, kind of thing to build the tension. Okay, tell you what we do, right? Okay, drum roll, please. It's I'm, I'm going to draw out. Three teams. Yes. Okay. The third team is the one that we're going to go to. Yes. The first two are going to be, yeah, what you could have won. Okay. And backups if, for if for example, something terrible happens and all the trains to Hartlepool don't work and cost £175 for a single. So I'm well, sure they won't. That's kind of likely. You know, we need we need a, we need contingency here. Mark. Okay, here we're we go. Entering the, un, the unknown. So first, the first of our two backup options are, is... I'm nervous. I'm very nervous right now. We could be coming to you, okay. except we're not, because you just missed out. Coventry. Coventry, you just missed out. I'm, who are they at home against? Uh, MK Dons. So we were nearly at Coventry, MK Dons. Not quite happened. Okay, so the second team to miss out. Give them a, give them a shuffle. It is... Oh, so close. Hartlepool. It's Hartlepool. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, so Hartlepool just miss out. We're going to end up somewhere terrible here, are we? This is it. It's all on this one. We are going up. Live special, 28th of February, 2015, is coming from... I've got it. Choose carefully, I've Walker. You opening the paper? We're going to have to give Darren McAntony a ring, mate. We're going to Peterborough. <laughs> We're going to go to me. <laughs> trying to look at the game. Where is it? Okay, well, I've never been to Peterborough, so that'll be good. Uh, it is. Home to Bradford. There you go. Peterborough against Bradford. We're off to London Road. On, uh, it's not Saturday. FA Cup that weekend, is it? Uh, what if Bradford get through? <laughs> oh, God, we're off to Hartlepool in that case. <laughs> get searching. You do that while I do this bit. Um, so uh, that's where the uh, the live show is going to come from at the end of February. So looking forward to that. Um, you can download the Acast app, by the way, which is a brand new app, which is available right now for the iPhone. You get it from the App Store. Also available uh, for Android, Google Play. Uh, you can listen to the show on there. And um, in the coming weeks, we can add sort of pictures and videos at specific bits when we're talking about certain stories. 
Um, so uh, please go in there and uh, have a look at that because it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, that is available on the iPhone and also Android as well. Also, if you go to audible.co.uk slash going up, you can sign up for a free audiobook courtesy of us. If you're a new listener, please do take advantage of that. Um, you can have it on a nice long train journey or a flight or whatever you're doing. And also, you can cancel before the end of the month so you don't get charged. Paddy Power uh, offer is still available via wearegoingup.co.uk. Click on the Paddy Power offer on the slider. Sign up for a brand new account there. If you bet a five, you get a free 20 quid bet. And finally, if you sign up for a free month for the football polls and get eight out of ten results right, uh, you get a big cash prize. Do you have any luck betting at the weekend? I did, actually. Not oh, an yeah. accumulator, but I uh, had some money on Forest to win 2-1. Oh, nice one. Um, so we are going up.co.uk. Football Pulse is down at the bottom there. The Twitter is at Waggy Podcast. Facebook at, is uh, facebook.com slash Waggy Podcast. So is the Instagram website. It's we are going up.co.uk. So Peter versus Bradford. Yeah. It's not, there's no FA Cup that weekend. We're okay. Fine. You can bring your flag, mate. I've just realised. Oh, I can, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're well, going we to we have to sit at home in there, won't we? we have to okay. With the Peterborough fans. Right. There the you posh. go. We'll discuss this. Um, thanks for listening to We Are Going Up. We'll speak to you next time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've We've got the Football League covered.